Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. With me, I've got Antonio Brown, Tony Brown. He runs a company that does something called patent monetization, which you may have heard of. Tony's background includes a long stint as a partner at a major AMLOT 100 law firm, Jenner and Block. And he spent time working for the government as an attorney. And after all of that, he decided that being on the business end of IP and patents was the right way to go. So we're going to let Tony talk about that. Tony, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show. And, you know, why don't you, I'll let you kick it off. Tell us a little bit about your background and how, how you got into patent monetization. And frankly, since a lot of our listeners don't know, uh, what is patent monetization? Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on your on your program. I was a, a, a corporate attorney at uh, Jenner and Block, a major law firm in Chicago, and I was a partner. And um, I uh, decided uh, that I really was not thrilled with practicing law. I was a little bit bored with it, and it seemed to me that I was doing all the work and my clients were having all the fun. So I thought uh, I'd, I'd take a shot. Uh, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I thought at my age then, which was, I guess, you know, mid forties type, type of age, if I was going to do it, I better do it then or not at all. It's pretty hard to, to walk away from a partnership in a major firm because you have, you know, a lot of financial security and you don't have to worry where, you know, your next right. uh, check is coming from. I, I took the leap. I left, I left the firm. And I tried a couple of things that didn't work out, but they were good learning experiences. I, I really, I really think you have to fail before you succeed, and you you learn as much from or more from failure as you do from success. I then uh, was sort of wondering what I was going to do next, and I ran into a former client of mine. Uh, I had done some licensing work for him. He had developed some software, compiler software that he licensed to different people, and I represented him in, in licensing the software. Uh, There's no litigation involved. It was just licensing work. We bumped into each other and we started talking about potential avenues for uh, a business venture. And one of the things we discussed was patents and how we both thought there was uh, a lot of unrealized value in patents, intellectual property. Uh, at that time, and this was the late 80s, no one was really doing anything in the field of monetizing patents. It was uh, the, only, the only company out there that really was doing anything was, believe it or not, IBM. They had a huge patent uh, portfolio, not only of their own patents, but patents that they collected from other inventors. They had a storehouse of patents, and they were generating uh, about a billion dollars a year in licensing revenues. They were the original, you know, people say that I'm the original patent troll. They were the original patent troll. They would go out and and go to companies and say, "We've got you know ten thousand patents that 
that have to do with your particular business, would you like to take a license? Or, you know, we can go through them and figure out which ones you're infringing and sue you. So that was sort of their business model. And people basically said, yeah, you know, send me me a license agreement. And they generate a lot of revenues without a lot of litigation based on their very, you know, significant patent portfolio. So we didn't have really uh, a model as such because we weren't IBM. We didn't have, you know, hundreds or, you know, of millions of dollars to spend on buying patents. Uh, In fact, I had no dollars to spend on buying patents at the time. But I like the idea. I like the idea of creating value through intellectual property. And I thought I did think that there were a lot of, uh, you know, the term Rembrandt's in the attic has been used to describe patents of particular value that people have, and they don't even realize how valuable they are because they're not in tune with what's going on in the market, or maybe they're not familiar with some of the products, but they have important patents that they just don't even know it. The business model that I came up with uh, was the idea of trying to locate these particular valuable patents that had not been uh, monetized and just basically do uh, searches on the database, the patent database, and look for interesting patents. And we did that. Uh, The fellow that I went into business with initially uh, was more of a technical person. So he would get, get on the database and look. Uh, look through patent abstracts for interesting patents. And uh, the idea would be that I would just, you know, I would, I would cold call the, the inventor and I would say, you know, what are you doing with your patent? I mean, this seems like a really interesting patent and, you know, looks like it's being infringed by a bunch of companies. What are you doing? And the, the response I usually got was, uh, what patent? You know, they didn't even know they owned it. The business model I came up with, because I had very little capital, um, I raised I raised a few hundred thousand dollars from friends and families to, to, to get the business going. You know, I had virtually no employees. I, w- I had my partner who was doing the research on the internet. So, you know, I was trying to get this thing done on a shoestring initially. So my business model was really to have the inventor be my partner. And I would, I would take on the licensing efforts and we would split after my expenses were reimbursed. We would split whatever I was able to recover from from the licensing effort. I like that business model because it incentivized the inventor to cooperate and you know and to to help, and it also allowed me to get control of the patents and and try to monetize them without a lot of upfront cash being spent. So Tony, I'm gonna just um, so. I- Understand all of that's fantastic background. Just for our listeners, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about what licensing means. I understand what it means generally, but can you explain when we talk about a patent and owning a patent and how it has value and how you can get money from a company by licensing it to them? What does that really mean? Well, a patent is an asset. It's it's uh, it's 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 a property right and uh, you can compare it to real estate. You know, you own you own a you own uh, a building. You can you can live in the building or you can rent the building. So a, a patent has value to gives you uh, an exclusive right to that invention. And if someone else is using that invention, they have to pay. Just like if they were living in your in your building, they'd have to pay your right. rents. They're using your invention. 
they have to pay you what's called a royalty, uh, which is you know a small percentage of the the revenues they're generating from your invention. So if if uh, someone is using your invention and your patent is uh, and you own the patent, they are supposed to uh, pay you for the right to use that intellectual property. And so a license agreement is nothing more than like a lease in real estate where you are entering into an agreement with the company that is using the technology to pay you a certain royalty for the use of that, that right. So to break that down, essentially what you're doing when you're licensing as an attorney on behalf of the patent holder is sending letters out that are essentially lease agreements that say, hey, you're using what I own without my permission. Pay me a royalty you owe me for the period of time you've been using it. As long as I have a valid patent and something you're doing commercially reads on one of the claims inside of my patent, you should owe me money for that. It sounds really simple, right? But there's a lot more to it than that when you decide what to do before you send a letter. Isn't that right? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to do a lot of research and work to initially determine that the the patent has value. And, you know, you want to, you have to have a patent that's valid, that there's, you know, in the sense that it's, it's novel, there can't be prior art. You have the, uh, the patent that represents the, the, the first idea for this invention. If someone had come up with the invention before your patent, your patent wouldn't be valid. There'd be, it's called prior art. So if there's prior art, you have to look for prior art, understand what the prior art is, and make sure that your patent really is novel. That it's, you know, your, your inventor is the first person to have thought of this particular idea. So that's one thing. And the other, the other major hurdle is that the, whatever product or service is being offered infringes the patent. So you have to look, you have to read the patent, understand the background of it, look at what's called the claims, which are like in real estate, the meets and bounds almost of the, of the real estate. You know, it's, it's how you define the analogy. Yeah. And you look at that and you say, okay, and then you 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 chart it against the product that you think infringes. So every element of that claim has to be in that product. And if if one of if you've got 20 elements and only 19 are in the product, then the product doesn't infringe. It's got to be contain all 20 elements. So um it's a very it's a very you know strict type of analysis. And, uh, and there are other considerations as well, besides, you know, validity and infringement, but those are the main ones. So you have to do your analysis. You have to do your research. You have to be comfortable that the patent is valid, enforceable, and being infringed before you approach anyone and say, you know, your product infringes, pay me, pay me a a royalty because you want to be sure that, you know, you're on solid ground. So that's that's always you know a big debate, and that's that's where you get into litigation because you may you may believe uh, those things, and the the infringer, the alleged infringer, says, no, wait a minute, I've got some prior art here that you didn't think about, or my product really doesn't work that way, you know, works a different way. So you know, I mean, what you try to do is is generate a dialogue. I mean, you you send a letter out, and if if you if they come back and say, here's some prior art, you look at it, and you say, okay, well, this is this is, this doesn't apply for this reason, or or yeah, that's good prior art, and you know we're not gonna we're not gonna try to enforce this patent, or you know it, your product doesn't work the way you say it works. It works a different way. We can show that. So you know there's right. there's a lot of you've got to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's, right? 
So taking all that into consideration, Tony, what I'm going to ask for you to do when you come back for our next segment mm-hmm. is explain this in context with a case, like how you've taken your business, how you've taken a patent portfolio, maybe a specific case so that our listeners get a sense of you know, how this works and maybe a challenge that you overcame or something that's new or different or interesting, something that you have that you personally hold that you can share with our listeners that's not confidential or subject to a protective order, obviously all those happy things, but anything that you can share would be great. Uh, Thanks for joining me in this initial segment, telling us about the background and how you started the company and kind of what it is that you do. And uh, listeners, thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. You'll see Tony and I back here on the next segment where Tony's going to do a little bit more of a deep dive with maybe an anecdotal uh, example, uh, an anecdote of something that's happened in his in his career and his his venture in patent world. Download us wherever you get your podcasts and you can watch us and find us on YouTube. Thanks for joining us again on this episode of the Black Letter Podcast. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.